Hello, hello. I'm your host, Stephanie Martinez Rivera, and you are listening to the Joy Found Here podcast. I am obsessed with reminding my fellow mamas, queens, badass babes, ladies and girls that perfection is just a word, not a lifestyle. Multitasking is overrated. Comparison is a theft of happiness. And yes, you can put yourself first. Oh, and by the way, for optimum results, you should. I'm a New York girl from a small town, part-time badass, proud mama bear times three. I've seen 60 full turns of the sun. I've learned the importance of how kindness begins with you and your self-talk. Join us each week as we help you navigate both the messy and the magical season of this crazy ride called life. Real stories that remind us to reclaim your power. The sun does come out after the shitstorm. A good cry can be cleansing and... We really don't know who sits on top of the mountain of judgment. Sit back, plug in, fill up your cup. This is your time. Remember, you've always had the power. Welcome to Joy Found Here. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. So I'm just going to make you laugh right away. First of all, I'm very excited to talk to our guest. Her name is Venus Morris Griffin. And I'm going to lead with, because maybe you would have heard this before, but Venus hasn't heard this before, even though she knows it. So she is the mother of seven. So that's not why Venus is here. Not because she's a mother of seven, really. There's a story. There's validation on the other side. And so much life in between that I have no idea. So I want to find out. So with that, I'm going to say thank you. Thank you, Venus, for being here. Thank you for having me. And you got to tell us about you anywhere you'd like to start. Yeah. So I am a mother of seven. I'm also a real estate agent here locally, and Mm -hmm. I sell about $60 million a year, which is A big deal in Augusta because I think our average sales price is about $250,000, which tells you I work um, a lot. And then outside of that, I uh, speak all over the country now. I just wrote a book and uh, I've actually been working on it for about four years. William Morris Endeavors, Margaret Raleigh King. She's the literary agent for Glennon Doyle. I don't know if you've heard of her. She's taken my book. Perhaps we've heard of Glennon Doyle. Perhaps. (laughs) Just like we're going to hear of... Of Venus Morris Griffin, perhaps. So I'm so excited that she's taken my book and she's going to uh-huh. take it from here to the next stage. And I'm just a mom and, you know, life is good. And, you know, I'm here today because I made a pact with God years and years ago. And I promised him, if you get me through this darkness, that I will use my light to help other people who are struggling with adversity because we all have it. Mine may be different than yours, but pain, suffering, adversity, it's all the same. We're all the same. And I think by sharing our stories, a lot of people are are just too proud. And it's honestly humiliating some of the things that I share about my childhood, as well as my marriage. And, you know, I show the lack of respect I had for myself as a person, as a mother, as a woman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you have to make yourself very vulnerable to do that, to help other people. Because what I never want people to do moving forward, because I pretended most of my life to be somebody I wasn't, that I had it all together, I had it figured out. And when the reality is I was struggling just to survive, Mm -hmm. but I don't want people to ever 
ever to look at me again and think I've got it all figured out because Mm. um, I don't. I love my life. I'm a very joyful person. I'm a very happy person, but life uh, can be very difficult. That's okay. I tell my kids, you know, like Jesus carried a cross and died. And why do you think your life's supposed to be just easy? And people think that just because it's hard, they're doing something wrong. And sometimes you're not doing anything wrong. Life is just hard. And that's just part of the beauty in it. You've got to get through the hardness. You've got to climb the mountain to get to that view at the top. Yeah. Um, It's always a self-test. I know that there are a lot of times where you think you want something. If I have this, this is going to make it that much better. And you're kind of like running into the brick wall. Okay, let me just, well, that hurt a little. Let me try that one again. Yeah. Nope, nope, yeah. no, let me lower my yeah. shoulder. Now my shoulder and my face hurt. Okay, now let me try kicking it. Huh, that didn't work either. But it takes so much to sit back on that because even though we think we know what we want, we're still yeah. always being probably guided tapped on the shoulder from the higher being, call it whatever you believe in, just as a little guidance. And, you know, my faith is very important to me and who Mm -hmm. I am, but uh, faith is different for everyone. And I I always tell people, because I have dear friends that are atheists, I have people that are just completely believe the opposite of what I I said. It doesn't matter what you believe. Mm -hmm. We're all trying to get to the same place. We're trying to be the best version of ourselves that we can be. And whatever tools you need to get there is what you should use. So I don't believe my way is the best way. I don't believe it's the only way. It works for me. And um, by sharing my story, hopefully people can find themselves somewhere in my journey to help them with their journey. So you have a crappy childhood. Yep. From what I'm hearing. Which produces a type of person, yeah. maybe a type of person that you alluded to that I wanted to be. So I'm yeah. going to put on the face and I'm going to wrap myself tight. They're never going to see the real yeah. Venus, which then leads you to, I'll say, attract another certain kind of person, i.e. <laughs> first marriage, Yeah, where you're really faking it till you're making it and you didn't make it. Yeah, I didn't make it my second marriage either. So two okay. strikes, I'm, I'm out and I'm there's no measure. It's, you know, again, we don't, we don't sit there with that scorecard that everybody's like, Oh yeah. Oh wow. Four. Like, Hey, (laughs) so at what point do you say, all right, let's uh, have that talk with yourself in the mirror and be like, listen, girlfriend, this shit's not working right now. So what are we going to do about this? I've had that conversation many times. Okay. It wasn't mm-hmm. one point. I had it mm-hmm. as a child, which mm-hmm. is why, you know, I grew up with a mother. I tell people my job was to watch her fingernails and make sure they didn't turn blue. And if they turned blue, to call 911. I watched yeah. her go in and out of rehabs. Mm-hmm. I watched her drink until she just couldn't function. I watched my brother repeat the patterns. He ended mm-hmm. up in a maximum security prison. I watched mm-hmm. my sister repeat the patterns. She was also mm-hmm. addicted to drugs, um, prescription drugs. So I had that conversation with myself and said, okay, I don't want to be like that. And that's what I tell people. You can do everything right and bad things can still happen to you. But when you know better, you do better. And, you know, I thought if I made all the right choices, that only good stuff would happen to me. So as early as 15, I was living from friend to this place, to this place, to Mm -hmm, trying mm -hmm. to figure out how to get out of the house and work two jobs and put myself through college and thought I had made it. And met 
my first love of my life and married him, I guess when I was 20, 21 and he was 25. And I thought, mm-hmm. I thought that I had figured it out. I thought I'd reverse the pattern because you looked at him. He was beautiful. He was six, four, good looking, the best personality. I always say mm-hmm. everyone, mm-hmm. even my family liked him better than they liked me because he was just, when he walked in the room, he lit it up. Yeah. So I thought I figured it out. And then of course, I always give the analogy, if you heard the frog in the water analogy before, I was kind of the frog in the water. It was cold in there and the water gradually starts to heat up and I don't realize that it's about to boil and I'm about to die. Well, that's what happened with my marriage. I thought I had it so much better than my childhood and I thought I had beaten it and didn't realize because my marriage was so much better than what I had as a child. I thought it was good. I didn't see the red flags. and I nearly lost my life doing it, being in in that dysfunctional relationship. And I Mm -hmm. hope by women hearing my story, they will learn their value in a lot less time than it took me to learn my value because no one should ever be treated the way I was treated. You know, my Mm -hmm. husband was a wonderful man in many ways. You know, he was good when he, the good was so good. No, so bad at a price. So at a big price. the good was at a price. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. so good. I mean, he was just mm. fun, you know, dancing around the mm-hmm. house, just. But very extreme then. Yeah. And then, then he would have these breakdowns. He would cuss me out in front of mm-hmm. the kids and mm-hmm. try to constantly threaten to kill himself. So, you know, I stayed and it was tough. Mm-hmm. It was really tough. So I'm a proponent for marriage, but there should be respect for both the woman and the man within the marriage. So when you get out, thankfully, of marriage one, and now with six children in tow, is that when you started real estate or let's just let okay, the dust so, settle? And um, then I was a stay at home mom and I had a, mm-hmm. my children were one, three, eight, 10, 12, and 15. Wow. 14 or 15. Mm-hmm. I get a call in the middle of the night. I don't know how much you know of my story, but it was from a prostitute and she was black money, my husband. And she told me I what a terrible person I was married to. And, mm. and I didn't believe her. You know, I didn't believe her because yeah, he was bad, but that wasn't, mm-hmm. yeah, I would have mm-hmm. seen something that. So I woke my oldest son up and said, Hey, I need you to watch your five brothers and sisters. I'll be back. And I went down, drove to this old Caribou mm-hmm. Hotel behind the Denny's and I'll never forget knocking on the door and this very young girl comes, opens the door. She's fidgeting from head to toe and she's either 19 to 25. Mm-hmm. I'm not a little good mm-hmm. with ages, but you know, she's sitting there t- telling me all these things my husband had done. And again, I'm not really believing her, but then she shows me her phone, the photos of my husband. He was unclothed and compromised mm-hmm. positions. And so of course I know she's not lying. The phone rings, he answers it or she hands me the phone and I answer it. And mm. so over the next six months, I was determined to save our marriage. I wasn't going to give up. I loved my husband deeply and committed to whatever it took, which meant him going to a sex rehab clinic. And he went there for several months. And while he was there, some other things came out that he had done that were terrible. And long story short, the district attorney got Never word good. of it. Never yeah. good. And mm-hmm. investigated. And within mm-hmm. a matter of months, he was sentenced to 45 years in prison. And I was hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. 
six children, one to 15, and didn't know how I was going to meet their basic emotional or financial needs. That was my journey. I had just gotten my real estate license. And I said, you know, if anybody doesn't believe in God, I'm kind of proof because I never, ever had the intention of being this real estate mongrel, you know, who steals mm-hmm. $60 million a year and takes care of seven kids and that, that, that. And doing some quick math so far, maybe you're into this 10 years. Well, at the time I just got my license. Correct. Yeah. 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 I mean, my first year I made, I think I made $20,000 my first year in the business. And then my second mm-hmm. year, I made a hundred thousand, third year, three by year. I think year seven is when I broke a million versus a million. And that's the least important or significant thing about me is what I, the income I've earned. But my point is, thankfully, I had just got my license and I remember my divorce attorney telling me, Venus, you know, even the good agents are getting out of the business is recession. The market's terrible. You need to get a real job. And I remember telling him, you know, I'm fine getting a real job, but first I want to try. I don't want to just throw mm-hmm. the towel in. I've got all these kids. I was in a two bedroom house and I just set my mind to every day doing the best I could do and what I could control and not worrying about the future too far, just doing my best every day to be my best. It's a strong mindset. And I'm sure when your feet are literally to the fire. Yes. And yes. you have your family of at the point that you're seven because you were the six kids. So you yeah. certainly don't want to stay in that position no. too long because no. I'm sure that's not where they came from. Yeah. You know, life is interesting. Uh, I think happiness is defined by the relationship you have with others. And for me, and happiness can be a very fleeting feeling. Yes. Yes. You know, we th- we and... think it's something that stays with us. Yes. And no. it's just literally passing through. That's yes. the mask that people put on too, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. I still, some days I'm like, oh my God, this is so hard. Mm-hmm. And then other days I'm like, Jesus, I made it. I mean, I am pretty happy most of the time. I have good days, I have bad days. So it's hard. Yeah. Life is still hard. And, you know, I went through another divorce. I was married eight years the second time. And, and that had me looking inward as well. Because, you know, I'll say the first time everybody can see why you're divorced. Mm-hmm. The second time, well, I'm kind of looking at myself like, okay, I'm not all that. But the thing is, I've learned is we're good enough. We're all we mm. need to be. And as long as you're doing your best every day, even if you step back occasionally, that's enough. And we need to believe it. And, and that's the tough it. part. The, the, the tapes, mm-hmm. you, and one of the blessings I have is forgiveness. My husband of nearly 20 years, the first thing I did when he went to prison, I'll never forget. I came home and I set all six of my children down in the living room and I was devastated. I had no idea how I was going to tell my kids that their dad will be in prison pretty much the rest of their lives. I'll never forget. I said, the first thing we're going to do as a family, I said, we're going to forgive your dad. So we're never going to talk bad about your dad. And I said, I'm your mother and I have no idea how I'm going to take care of you, but I'm going to, I'm going to fight. I am going to do everything I can do within my power. We're going to figure this out. We're going to be stronger than we ever were. We're going to be better. We're going to show the world that this is not going to take us down. I don't know what that means, but you trust me. I have been through hard times and I am not letting y'all down because I knew I tear up still. I knew Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if I put that cross down that they would pick it up. And I'll tell you, 
that the biggest paycheck I've ever gotten in my life was when my son was elected president of his dental class. He had to give the invocation statement and Mm -hmm. he thanked the staff. He thanked the parents that were there, the teachers. And at the end of his talk, he said, mom, will you stand up? And I stood up. (laughs) Everybody in that room was like bawling because they knew our story. And then he said, Mm -hmm. mom, when the whole world threw the towel in on us and you suddenly became a mother of six children, everyone was quick to judge us. He said, you persevered. And because of the example you set for us, forgiveness and strength, I will be Dr. John Morris. Wow. You know, that's when you know, okay, I've done something. That that is worth the price of gold. That is worth, again, as you started this, what's your biggest paycheck? That is my biggest paycheck. And your health is your wealth and your children are your assets or your family. If you don't have children, it's just it's a beautiful thing to go through what we've gone through and still have compassion and, and forgiveness, because I think that really is the key. Me forgiving him allows me to forgive myself mm. because I am un- imperfect. And I find by extending forgiveness to other people that I am more gentle on myself. Which is what we all need because yeah. we're so hard yeah. and I love that when you sat them down and you're like, I have no idea how we're going to do this, but details don't know. Haven't worked them out yet. (laughs) It hasn't presented itself. And that's so good. Like just lowered their expectation to be like, all right, well, she said she's going to figure it out. Yeah. Okay. And I'll tell you my oldest son, he says to me, he says, mom, he said, if we lose everything we got, He says, we still have each other. And he Mm -hmm. said, I'm going to help you raise my siblings and we are going to be okay. We're going to figure it out. And we just pulled together like, I mean, it was hard. You know, my kids, again, we were pillars. Because they're still kids. And they just got thrown into this massive adult world, family as they knew it. Yep. Gone. Let's do it publicly now. Let's just add that little piece of, yeah. oh, you know what? It's not just that, it's more. And yeah, no, it goes on and on. And that you were open about it really is a testament to you because a lot of people will keep faking it till they're going to make it. And, and that's such you a know, tragedy. You can share your story adversity without dwelling in it. I always say I'm never a victim, I'm not a hero. I am just a woman that just decided that I was never going to give up. And I I tell my kids that I said, you know, I've got one daughter who's like, I don't know what I'm going to do when I go to college. I'm like, listen, you're not supposed to know. You're not supposed to figure it out. It's the hardest thing. It's the hardest thing. And most people don't know. You can do anything you want to do. Yeah. Whenever. Yeah. Because they get so stuck, not only for those poor kids, but then, you know, the parents, the jockeying, like, oh, well, yeah, no, we're going to apply to, you know, Brown and we're going for early admission. I'm like, knock yourself out. First of all, college, not for everybody. Right. Let's start there, everybody. Because, you know, you're putting all of this time and effort into perhaps a child who doesn't want to go away. Oh, no, let's send them away. And then they're home by Thanksgiving, which happens. So there were times where 
for me, it's it's not about me. And as I've gotten older, it's easier to catch myself uh, like Stephanie, not you. Yeah. I don't know. It's them. It's their turn. It's their story. It's their thing. You've had your time. Yeah. But it is very hard for them. Yeah. So life's an adventure. And it's kind of like a box of chocolates. You really never know what you're going to get. But, but what I do know is that we all have adversity. And if you live long enough, I always tell people you're either you've been through traumatic times, you're either in the middle of them or you will at some point before you die. And you have to decide what you're going to do with it and how you're going to handle it. Because as women, I think we often put our careers on the back burner to raise our children, which is a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. But then we become disempowered when things go wrong and we stay in very abusive and toxic marriages when we should leave. And that was my story. I should have left and, and I didn't know how to leave. And mm -hmm. on top of growing up in a, a very dysfunctional childhood, I really didn't realize until, until I was out of the relationship how bad it was. Mm -hmm. And it's tough. I'm sure all along and as you have your time of reflection, I'm sure all along you're saying, God, this is going to make such a good book. Maybe it's just a journal for you. Maybe it's just a blog post. Maybe it's a legacy letter for the kids, whatever. Or did you know it was going to start as a book right away? Well, again, I go, going back to that promise I made with God, I just said, I think my testimony is powerful. And I actually spoke at the national convention in Boston real estate. And I, I'll never forget, I walked in, I'd never spoken anywhere in my entire life. And, and the room was only standing room only people there to hear me talk. And, and when I left, this reporter comes up to me and she's like, I hear people speak all over the world. And she said, your story is the most powerful thing I've ever heard. And you should write a book or do something Documented. like that. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I finished speaking with everybody and, and then I went back up to her and I said, do you think you would write my book? And she says, well, I'm a reporter. I'm a journalist. I've never written a book, but sure. So um, she and I worked together for years. We, we would meet. We would fly different places. We flew out of the country mm -hmm. one time. We flew mm -hmm. to New York. We flew to Atlanta. And we would just spend hours and hours and hours. And she documented my whole life. And she did a really fabulous job. And then I did a podcast and Brandon Stanton with Humans of New York. I don't know if you've heard of mm -hmm, mm -hmm. him or not, but uh, his wife listened to one of my podcasts on infertility. And she told her husband, she's like, you got to go meet this Venus girl. And, and so he, he probably messages me and he's like, my wife is a huge fan of yours. I'm like, I didn't know who he was at first because, you know, I didn't really do social media a lot. And yeah. so mm -hmm. I have a lady in California that helps me with all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And she's like, he's kind of a big deal. You need to respond to him. So I responded. And next thing I know, he flew down to Georgia and met with me. And over the next eight months, he did a story on me, which went viral after he did the story. And I remember him calling me and he's like, oh my God, Venus. He said, you're trending over the Ukraine war. I'm like, what? I didn't even know what trending meant. You know? <laughs> so, so my point is some part of my life resonates and maybe I'm just not smart enough to realize that people don't share this kind of stuff, but most people, or maybe I'm smarter than everybody else who realizes that it needs to be shared to help. It so needs to be, it needs to be shared. And yeah. it takes balls really to not only put it in print, yeah. then to write about it, then to talk about it, 
but at the same time, it happened. Yeah. So regardless if you write it or not, it doesn't erase um, the history. It happened. Well, after Brandon's story came out, it was very difficult on mm-hmm. my children and me because it's one thing to talk mm-hmm. about it to people that don't know you, but then when everybody in your community, mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was, still is, I've gotten a lot of people saying, oh my God, this is just the best thing. And on the other hand, I've lost a lot of business because people are like, who does she think she is? Like, mm-hmm. you don't share that story. It's an intention. Again, you're coming from an intention and you're coming from a place of help. And again, life is great, good, sucky, messy, shitty, all of the above. The answer is D, all of the above. However, people like to keep the mask on. But who are we to say on someone else's experience? Where were these people when you were... A single mother with six yeah. kids and yeah. your soon to be ex-husbands in jail. Like, yeah. Was everyone, you know, were they offering you well, housing? If, you know, it's. You know, the interesting fact is I was in a prayer group in my church for probably <laughs> 10 years. I don't know if you saw that or not, but um, I'm Catholic. So my children are donor conceived and, and that is not something that is condoned by the Catholic mm-hmm. faith. And I believe that you can be a certain faith and use your own mind to make decisions. And I believe God's going to love you just the same. So mm-hmm. my husband, ex-husband and I chose to have these children with a donor. Well, when he went to prison, that came out. No one knew that we used a donor. That came out when he went to prison and almost as devastating as losing my husband. Three of those four couples never spoke to me again. And they were my very best friends. We met every Wednesday night at each other's house and talked about God and religion. Mm-hmm, I was mm-hmm. devastated. And so God gives you who needs to be in your life. And I got very authentic friends out of that. I always mm-hmm. say you really only need a few people in your life to have the journey with you, especially if you have kids, because it takes a lot of time to invest in friendships. But God provided that for me. And that's the common thread, because again, I've forgiven my childhood. I've forgiven my, my ex. After a while, you could really rack your brain and be like, but why doesn't she like that? We were friends. Or you could be like, "Mm." I do not do that. So interesting. So the name of the book is called, it's called validated and fitting enough. It took my story going viral to validate me that what I went through was worth it and mm. that I mattered and that I was enough and that I wasn't the bad person. Because when you're abused as a child and as an adult, I kept, and I still do this. I try, I try. Well, you know, now I've, I say I've got a standard on the way I treat people and I've got a standard on the way I let them treat me back. Mm. And if they don't meet it, then I gently remove myself. And there's a careful balance there because what I don't want to do is share what was done to me and then really do the same thing to them in my mind. What you want to do is you're never defined. My ex-husband is not defined by the worst thing that he's ever done. Any of us, we all mess up. We're all capable of doing bad things. And until you really walk into someone's shoes, you can't judge. Until absolutely. Absolutely. You can remove yourself. Mm -hmm. You can't really judge someone else's behavior and really just 
giving yourself the same grace that you would give to your children or to someone else is, I think, a struggle that women have and people have. But it's so important because it changes your level of happiness. I mean, I feel like probably a good 80% of the time, I am very peaceful on the inside. Mm. Like I am alone and I am peaceful. Whereas before I could have 10 people around me and I just, my heart was racing. I just, you know, I was trying to fit in, trying to make mm-hmm. people like me. And when you get to that place where, you know, okay, I'm no better than anyone, but no one is better than me and I'm enough. Mm-hmm. And just because my values don't line up with someone else, they can be pro-abortion and I can be pro-life and I can respect them and they can respect me. When you right. realize that there's more than one way to skin a cat, you can love someone for skinning it differently. I think that's the problem that we have. You know, I had to have children differently than, you know, everybody's against a donor sperm in the Catholic church until you can't have children. Well, then you look at things a little differently. Right. You know, they're trying not to get pregnant. And I'm trying eight inseminations later, I get pregnant with my first child. So they haven't walked in my shoes. So it's easy to say they wouldn't do it. Yeah. You have redefined a lot of things and that's probably why it resonates. But all along, it was another lesson, another lesson. As the snake, like shedding the skin, it just becomes a little more apparent. And validate, it's a word I use a lot in my vocabulary. Mm -hmm. It's so important to me. Did you always know that was going to be the title or it's just... So I I did not. I have branded myself in Augusta with real estate. Mm -hmm. And if Mm -hmm. you see my real estate signs like some signs I have just a black billboard and then I've got a big V on it. And I did that not so people would know I was selling real estate, but to make people think like who is that? Like to research me. Like who has the guts to put up a V on the billboard? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Yeah. mm -hmm. And so my billboard has the V and Venus more Griffin, Mm -hmm. you know, very classy, very simple. And when I wanted the book to have that ah, same um, gotcha. and I, I was like, what? Too. Yeah, uh, what would very smart. My, I yeah, like what would it. My branding. And yes. um, with that being said, Margaret Raleigh King is the expert and they could change the name of my book. Mm-hmm. And I would be fine with that because it's reaching the masses, impacting the masses that I'm want to do. In fact, the book was just finished today by the editor. So ah, she, she has wonderful. a list of people yeah, that uh, that she said are already interested. And I've actually had formal offers from Warner Brothers to do a movie. I'm not going to do any of that until the book is done. And, and I'll rely on Margaret Raleigh King to, um, to guide mm-hmm. me on if I do a Netflix series or documentary or anything else. So. Well, I think that's the coolest thing. Okay. <laughs> And the story is, I'll say, true and and lived, and it brings that a whole other level. And boy, I hope it does. Uh, It definitely Um, makes for one. When you're in the middle of all of it, you're like, can I write anything about this? It's crazy. You know what's crazy is like, like I've got Kate Hudson FaceTiming me, wanting to play me in the movie. And then I got the Fanning sisters. I don't know if you mm-hmm. know if that one, Dakota. Uh-huh, Dakota right now. Uh-huh. And telling me how honored they'd be because they, I remind them of their mother. It's validating for people all over the world to hear your story and find their themselves in it. And I think it's going to change lives because when people look at me, they think they're doing something wrong and I've got it all figured out. And the reality mm-hmm. is none of us have it all mm-hmm. figured out. 
We're all mm-hmm. just doing our best. We're all just doing our best. I love, love that. You've got a lot of social presence out there. Where yeah. do you hang out? Talk to us. So, yeah. So if you want to see like who I really am, follow me on Instagram, Venus Morris Griffin. And I've got mm-hmm. the little blue check thing. So, you know, it's me because there is another somebody out there acting like they're me, mm-hmm. but they're not me. And then I've got a Facebook, Venus Morris Griffin. Yeah, we're going to be watching. We're going to see this before. We're, we just got a little preview. I like it because then we'll see it all happen and play out in 2023. This is going to be great. Yeah. yeah, we'll see. So again, I told Margaret, I said, I've already, what I have done, like I get, when I say thousands and thousands of messages on Instagram and Facebook, like people, women saying, they were ready to kill themselves. They read my story. And if I can do it with seven kids, they can do it. You know, they have one kid or two kids Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. daily. I get messed all over the world. Like Nigeria, a women are texting me. It matters when you can tell people it does not matter what has happened to you. You can get through anything. You're going to be okay. Yeah. You're going to be okay. And don't overthink. Don't look too far in the future. You are going to be okay. The only way you're not going to be okay is if you stop breathing. That's a problem. So as long as you have hope and you are willing to continue to put one foot in front of the other, you will get somewhere. That's the mic drop. I think I'm going to just, that's good. That's, (laughs) That's a wrap. Like that was... Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your time. And thank you for your story. And again, for getting it out there and for having the courage to talk about it. And you see that it ruffled some feathers. Now, I'm sure more than just some. That's when you know the cake is done. Yeah. You got to ruffle some feathers. Yeah. Because you're doing something that we all want to do. But, you know, let someone else start it first. And so you might have just started a whole new trajectory for people and a whole new movement. I think so. I hope so. All right. So I know comments, please, joyfoundhere.com. I want to read them all. We're going to follow her. We're going to see Venus's little journey. Like when we'll be, what do you mean? That's on Netflix. I heard her on the Joy Found Air podcast, of course. (laughs) So yeah, five stars on this one. Thank you. Anything less? Please don't bother marking it. Just be true to yourself. Just take a minute and listen to yourself and know that it's going to be okay. Don't stay in a situation that you know you shouldn't stay in. It's going to be okay. You've got it. Not going to be easy. So don't bother looking for the easy way out. (laughs) Nothing good is easy. It's going to be work, but it's going to be worth it. All right. On that note, everybody, thank you, thank you, thank you. Stay safe and be well. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, if you haven't already done so, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to head over to joyfoundhere.com for any questions, comments, and feedback. Until next week, keep your head up and your crown straight. You've got this.